0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I seem fun the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. This is the official. I started recording too soon. This is the introduction. Hang on, let's see. What I've got for today. Just calm your little selves. What what else do you expect, people? Do I actually file this in a folder called podcast instead of just keeping it on my desktop? Oh, Jen, sometimes you try to be too organized. Where is it? I should just turn the recorder off. But I already hit record and I don't feel like it. Where is... Okay. We'll just have to find that document later. But uh, this is episode 197. Brought to you today by Texture and Talkspace. We'll hear more about those later. Here's the deal, everybody. I have some ticket count updates. Brooklyn, Bell House, Friday, September 22nd. There are only 50 tickets left. Now, the night of the show... Usually 50 people come at walk-up. So I really wouldn't wait. Go to jenkirkman.com, click tour dates. If you're like, I'm not going to get paid until that Friday. I can't afford to come. There may be a chance of like, we'll hold 10 tickets for the door, but you would still have to get there early. But guys, don't fuck around. Boston. The floor is sold out at the Wilbur Theater. The mezzanine, which is the first balcony, just in case, you know, just in case you haven't lived. Um, that is almost sold out. There's rando seats here and there in the back. And then the first balcony and the last balcony, or I guess it's the second balcony, but it's called balcony that is starting to sell. The first couple rows are gone. So I would not wait either. Now there's no bad seats in the world, but I'm not just saying that, but you know, once you start getting up there, you do want to sort of sit as close as possible. So if you don't uh, mind, you might. You can wait till the night of, I guess. I think it's going to sell out the night of, but it probably won't sell out before. But if it, if it sells out, it'll sell out that day. So I would just get tickets soon. There's a couple hundred left, which seems like a lot, but it's a 1,100-seat theater. And we've sold 800, 900 already. So don't F around. JenKirkman.com. Click tour to dates. New York City, there's still a sizable amount left. I mean, look, if we... Did the show right now It'd be great It'd be pretty full, but come on, sell it out. New York city highline ballroom. That is Thursday night. You guys go out on Thursday nights. It's New York. I see you. I saw you guys on a Monday night chanting outside Donald Trump's home. Um, Oh, so great. I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Um, and then thank you all. Uh, sorry. I'm f- confusing the podcast with the intro. So go to uh, Oklahoma City just went on sale, a special women-only audience show, trans-inclusive. All the proceeds that I can do, uh, save maybe a couple travel things for me. Um, First class flight and a week at the Four Seasons. Oh, that's all the money. I'm kidding. Uh, Will be donated to the local Planned Parenthood as well as the merchandise sales. And there'll be raffles. You can win all kinds of things. So that will be... December 2nd That just went on sale At the AMU Performance Center It's only about a 250 seat venue So I don't know Maybe don't wait on that Tell your lady friends I'm, This is the only charity show of its kind That I'm doing this year I just thought Oklahoma City I hadn't been there in a while um, Every time I've gone It seemed kind of dude heavy And I was like You know what This seems like an area Where uh, ladies You know People are like, doing in San Francisco I'm like San Francisco doesn't need it We, we get, You know So before you come here, come there, me. If you're within a 60 mile driving radius, I would, I would go, or, you know, I don't know. Maybe you like to drive for two hours, 120 mile radius. I clocked it as a mile a minute. Um, so I love you guys writing to me on the I fun Facebook page. It's the only Facebook page that I check. That is facebook.com slash I fun podcast. If you want to catch all the back episodes of Ice Team Fun, you can get them on SoundCloud. Give my comedy special, Just Keep Living on Netflix, a thumbs up. Give the podcast five stars on iTunes. Write a review. Um, Let's make this week's review. You can write, You Should Have Never Started Recording. My jewelry line comes out September 4th. More details coming. If you have bought tickets to my tour, please take a picture of the tickets or anything you want and hashtag it. Hashtag JKTOR2017, because I'm not really checking my app messages lately because it's, you know, it's crazy out there. But I do check that hashtag. So I'll retweet you, and the venues really love it. You don't have to put the name of the venue in there. I'll do that in my retweet quote tweet. So please do that for me. Send an email to IseemFun at gmail.com if you want me to answer your question or address something uh, on a future episode. Again, I do those they're not i wouldn't email me a, a, a problem you have that you need solved uh, soon and uh, i'm part of the great all things comedy network go to allthingscomedy.com to hear and see other awesome podcasts here's this week's episode i see, fun. I see fun. the diary of Jeff kirkman Hello, everybody. You already know what episode it is. I said it in the intro. (coughs) Don't let anyone tell you dandelion tea is any good. It really does have, like if you're trying to avoid coffee, which I'm not, I just felt like making tea and I was like, oh, I'm out of tea except this. It's like, like if you put you know, if you use cream, I use like fake coconut milk cream. If you put that in it and some sugar or honey, like it definitely feels like a cup of coffee, but I just made it black. It's so awful. Why am I? I can't drink this shit. I can't. Who's in charge here? I think I need to make, Ugh. Ugh. why am I? I used to drink this when I had my vocal issues, my acid reflux. Maybe I don't remember it being so awful. Maybe I was so desperate then that, um, you know, I was like, it's great. I love it. Ugh, nast E E. I'm just going to make some black tea. I think I remembered where I have some, Oh, what can I talk to you guys about? So I'm, I'm just having this, I get neurotic about the dumbest things where I'm like, I want to tape a couple episodes in advance. And then I'm like, oh, but there's so much going on in the world. They'll want to hear me comment on it. And then it's like, but I've stopped really talking about politics on this podcast because nobody likes it, you know, um, because I want to talk about sort of parts of politics that other people don't talk about, which is my long running obsession with the constant harassment of women and people of color by the Bernie bros. And I know you're not one, but there are them. And if they're not, then they're those weird Russian paid trolls. And then weirdly, people get mad when I say that. I'm like, well, then someone's doing the harassing. So it's either you guys or the paid Russian trolls. So you got to admit that they're there and stop being... Like, because either you're, if the, if you don't believe that there's paid Russian trolls dividing the left, which you should, because it's been documented and even Bernie himself admitted it. Then if you're saying, no, that doesn't exist. And you're saying, no, we're the assholes. We want all the credit. So you can't, you can't have it both ways. Oh my God. This tea I bought in Australia three years ago. (laughs) Should I have that from the Dane tree tea from there's one left from the, oh, there's a picture of a cassowary on it. Oh just did my friend Will's podcast Will Anderson I was like I don't think I'm going back to Australia this year either you guys I really want to but <sighs> I'm just I'm working on some stuff here in LA and it's just a lot like to go for a month cuz that's kind of how that festival works I guess I could ask if I could just go for a week All this tea is expired What happens if I drink expired tea like what if everyone just assumed, like they don't tell you, it's just supposed to be one of those things you know when you're born? That like, no, no, no. Like you can take an expired prescription pill after a year. you know? I'm just making that up. I don't think you can. But, um, but if you drink tea past its date, you die. It turns to poison. What if no one told us that? It's just like only some people know it. Yeah, all of this is expired. Um, like, yeah, what would happen? Do I want to drink caramel soothing bedtime tea at 4 PM. What if I fall asleep? I have been having the weirdest thing lately and everyone's like, it's the eclipse, which I don't really understand, but I'm, I'm all over the place, but here's the deal. So the, the, the the political stuff, it's like, look, I'm going to be behind no matter what. Right? Like even if I tape it that week, things happen so fast, but also just sort of, oh my God, even all this what? This spray, this cooking spray expired two years ago. I don't even remember. Live, did I live in this apartment two years ago? I guess I did. My God, my life is, oh my God, I have the most annoying conversation. So I go to this place. Um, don't even worry what I do there. It's like a little health place and I go and get some health stuff done. I know it sounds like I'm getting like plastic surgery. It's like a B12 shot. All right. So I don't want to hear anyone shit about it. And the woman there is awesome. And I've, you know, I go a lot. So she knows me. I know her. Okay. This is still, at least this paprika I never use. Um, she's lovely. She's great. And I have no complaints about her. And I hope she doesn't hear this. What? This expired too? I paid a lot of money for that. Oh my God, people. Shit out of luck with this. Oh, I want to organize my... I think this was like some weird gift. Was this, who would give me, there's no expiration date. Where is this? Oh, no, this can't be 2005. South Carolina. Oh, I think someone gave me this as a gift at a show. Sea salt flakes. It would have, but I didn't perform in South Carolina. But, oh, there's no expiration date. Oh, guys, I don't know. I'm going to throw it out. Um, Any hoosies. So what's my point? Jen, we don't know. If if you don't know, we don't know. How would we know? I don't know. Well, I guess I don't have any tea. All right. There's this one tea I have. It expires August of this year, which it is August of this year. But how do they know, like, which day in August? You know what I'm saying? I always go with the first of the month. But I'm going to have this. If this English breakfast tea kills me. How my thing just stopped recording. And I was nervous that it didn't record that amazing segment where I went through my lazy Susan. (laughs) Um, I don't know what's up with this app. I guess when you use a free app to record stuff, you can't bank on it lasting forever. All things must pass. That's my singing. George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. Not to it all the harmony or the rhythm or the tune whatever all things must pass away okay um love that song god that book by was it patty boyd wrote a book about dating him the one that dated him in art clapton like really bum me out about him but it's like you know it's this typical thing it's all dudes yes all men it's all the hippie dudes that like you know he became famous as a teenager it's not like he's gonna be like the most amazingly mature person just because he's older at some point but you know they're like living together and he made her give up modeling it's like get a fucking backbone dude why are you intimidated that someone has your own career and i don't know why she did it but you know, listen we all have our flaws Takes two to tango. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to get into cooking. I haven't modeled in years. George isn't in the Beatles anymore. We're in this beautiful house. Um, Sorry. And uh, then he's like, oh, I'm hanging out with the Krishnas and all these people are coming over. So, no, first he's like, oh, I'm going to build a recording studio in the house. Okay, great. You know, maybe he's fucking some other women in there And it's blatantly obvious She's like, all right, I'm going to get into cooking She gets into cooking He's like, the Krishnas are coming over They take over the kitchen We're making non-bread or whatever So, uh, you know, when I hear him, I'm like Now this sugar expires in 2020 Okay It's so weird, I don't even remember buying this brown raw sugar Which expires in years So it must mean I bought it recently and yet the stuff that expired four years ago, I feel like I just bought it yesterday isn't that weird isn't that fun? Our mind plays tricks on us so this is good um, British people get really mad when you don't take the tea bag out of the cup just to let you know they act like you're like you don't know you're doing it wrong I'm like I know I'm just anyway so yeah whenever I hear one of his songs it's like, oh, it's a beautiful song about you know every. They're impermanence and we all pass away. And then I'm like, oh, shut up. Cause she's like, oh, he would do coke binges. And then, you know, he'd be super spiritual for three days to like clean up from it. And I know in our own ways, we do stuff like that. We just judge other people who do it with like coke and Krishnas, <laughs> but don't we do it with like other things? All right. This actually kind of brings me around to what I'm talking about. So the political stuff, it's like, it's just, I'll just comment in general but it's not going to be, like, up to date. But, I, I, you know, fuck Nazis, right? I can't believe – everyone's like, I can't believe we have Nazis in America. It's like, don't, don't say that out loud. It sounds very white privilege Like, of course – maybe it's something you never had to think about, but there's Nazis in America. Um, hang on. I'm, my mind's going so fast to have to write all this brilliance down. But I didn't – okay, so this week people are freaking out about the Tina Fey sheet cake thing. Now, I thought it was a little tone-deaf, or as I say, tone-deaf-adjacent. And I found out that all those like uber liberal, well, they're not, they're not more liberal than me per se, but those kind of people that harass people on the internet for not being like the purest form of liberal, you voted for someone who has a 401k, wall street's bad, you know, that, um, they had that position that Tina Fey's thing was not great. I was like, Oh, look at Look at me and the alt left. I know. See, I could get into this. I could go down a wormhole of like people on the left called the people who harassed us the alt-left because they would rather have had Trump win than Hillary. And then Trump said alt-left the other day. And so now we can't say it for some reason. Because I'm talking about if you didn't vote and you harass people, you're alt-left. You're an alternative version of the left. Not, you know. And then they're like, one of us died, that girl Heather Hire. I'm like, don't drag her name into this. She's not in the alt. If you're not alt left, then you're not alt left. If you're just left, then that's, then we're not talking about you. But I don't even believe those people doing that on the internet are real. See, this is boring. I don't want to get into it. Okay. But I'm not going to say alt left anymore. I say bronuts or brocialists or faux aggressives. I didn't make any of that up. I think I made up bronut. Well, I'm mean, not that that was hard to make up. But after the donut thing, was, I don't want to get into it. Oh, anyway, I am taking a stand against Nazis. Um, the Tina Fey thing. Okay, so that's what reminded me of it is the uh, the binging the 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 George Harrison Coke to Krishna's. Now, here's the thing. And this is just me. Like This is what I would say to my friends. This is what I would say to myself. Comedy is complicated and complex. And what sucks about comedy is... like My corporation, my production company that I have, which is just me. (laughs) But you have to eventually incorporate your shit. Um, If you watch my Netflix special, you'll see it says Block of Cheese Incorporated. Because I used to have a joke in my act about... Well, it's on my first Netflix special, but I've been doing the joke since like 2008 or nine about how when I gained all my, no, no, no. The joke's from like 2010 about how when I gained all my married weight, um, people were saying things to me like, oh, just cause you're married now, you know, your body's settling down, you know, all these weird excuses. And my joke is, oh, I thought it was cause I was eating a block of cheese every night in front of the TV with my bare hands, like a sandwich. And I think that's a really funny line. And it's true. I was, but I was in a deep depression and I was not taking care of my body or my health. And I would do that among other food related eatings, drinkings, and, uh, inhalants. And so I gained a lot of weight and then I lost the weight. And then I started doing jokes about what happens when you gain weight and no one tells you <laughs> or no one will admit it, even though it like, gets plain to see. And then, you know, losing the weight and then whatever. So my friend Chris Ringel and I, you heard him on one of my podcast episodes, we used to try, we used to make fun of each other and go, I'm going to do your act in six seconds. So he'd be like, good evening, everyone. Fuck you. I hate kids. Block of cheese. Good night. So the, he would just yell block of cheese. Good night at me all the time. And I thought when I had to come up with a name for my corporation, like block of cheese would be funny. I regret it to this day because it says it on my travel credit card. And when I go anywhere, people are like, do you own a cheese? No, I don't. D- please. What do you do? Nothing to do with cheese. What is it? I'm a writer. What do you write about cheese? No, literally, I don't, I shouldn't have named it that. I should just name it JK Productions or JK Inc. Or so, you know, like, I don't know what I, I have to look into if I can change the name, but so my point is now would I want to be known as the lady who eats cheese. No, I was talking about specific. And then I went, you know, as you know, I'm vegan a hundred percent sometimes, and then partial vegan the rest of the time. So it's like, then I stopped eating cheese for all kinds of reasons, my voice, the environment. And then sometimes when I'm like, you know, if I'm going to like Cheat, I will eat cheese, you know. If I'm like in a restaurant, there's just like, okay, fine, there's cheese on it. You know, I'm in a d- different country, you bet I ate cheese when I went to Italy. So it's like, you know, it comes and goes. But for the most part, I'm not like, I get really, I act as though I am a role model or something. Like, weirdly, I don't know why I think that in my head. I know I'm not, but I'll be like, well, you know what. Like that block of cheese joke was really funny and women related, but I just want everyone to know, you know, it's not good to do that all the time. And it was just a very specific time in my life when I did that. So I don't do any more, you know, food related overeating jokes unless there's a reason. And I can explain where I was coming from and whatever, because I don't know why I get weird like that. I don't like when someone's like, I'm the drinking person or I'm the smoking pot person. I mean, I have friends who are that, but and there's nothing wrong with it. I just, I don't like it for me. So this is good. Now that's a cup of tea. So what's the point? Okay. So the Tina Fe thing. Now here's the other thing. Then there's like this sort of, okay, like I'm going all over the place, but this is how my mind works. So then I'm thinking one episode of Chelsea lately, we had Gabourey Sidibe host. As you know, she is. I'm not using it as a pejorative. She is literally an obese woman. Now, um, she a brilliant actress. Yes. Should we be able to watch someone who's obese without being like, I only want to see people that look like they could be in Baywatch. Absolutely. But as much as I know there are thyroid issues out there and there's like people who just are built to be a certain way. And it's not, you know, um, the models ideal or even like you know, their BMI is higher than it should be, but that's just how they are. I get. But at a certain point, some people, not all, obesity is not just some bad luck you are putting. So I witnessed her, um, and she was having a lot of like sugary, big, large Starbucks drinks with whipped cream, like more than a few, you know? And she was like, this is how I am. Like, fuck it. And she was saying that, but you know, it seemed like she was having trouble breathing and and I just didn't buy it that she was happy about it. Now you've got to embrace it or else you're going to be miserable because if you do decide to lose the weight, like it takes a while to lose weight. So you're going to be uh, you can't be like hating yourself. So I get that you can be an acceptance of where you are and, and hope to, but it didn't seem like she hoped to change. It just looked like someone to me was depressed. Like I see people who drink and I know they don't want to be drinking and they're like, fuck it. Like I drink and you're like, mm, yeah, but you look miserable. So I'm just saying I try not to idealize how fun it is to like binge eat. Like I just, that's not my thing. Um, But I do recognize that I did it in my block of cheese joke. But again, I feel like I was very clear. I was unhappy and that was not, that was not the way to handle it, you guys. So there is that. Then there's people, unlike Gabby Sidibe, who maybe were a little too heavy for a television executive to get excited about them starring in their own show. But in the real world, they're a normal weight, right? Those people have a hard time because they may come from the school of, I did eat a block of cheese with my bare hands, but they can't do it anymore because they have to look a certain way on TV. I would put myself in that category. I just had a weight gain recently and we'll talk about that. So there comes a point where as a woman who allows herself to binge eat a block of cheese every once in a while If you're on television more, you actually really can't do that because one binge leads to a couple and it's hard to get you you fluctuating. It's just, it's just better to stay away from it all. So suddenly here you are a woman who's by no means someone who could, I keep saying Baywatch, who could be on Baywatch is actually as regimented in her diet in a way as someone who is. So that person, if they're going to be honest about their comedy they aren't the same person anymore. Who's eating a block of cheese. I count myself as one of those. Um, when I ate the block of cheese, I wasn't touring yet. I wasn't going on auditions. I was strictly a comedy writer. I was depressed. I was like, I'm, I'm going to eat blocks of cheese and I'm not going to audition. I'm not going to go on the road. I'm going to hide and gain weight. Like it was a a thing I wanted to do. And, Well, I do not want to gain weight, but I was willing... It seemed as though I I understood the risk somewhere in my brain and I was willing to do it. So that brings me to the Tina Fey sheet cake thing. Now, what I find difficult is I'm not good at branding myself. And I was talking about this with someone and it's probably why on some level that, you know, certain people get really successful because they do a thing and everyone goes, oh, you're that person. They go, yes, I am. And I'm like, no, I'm not... I'm not the married person. I'm not the single person. I'm not the partnered person. I'm not the cheese person. I'm not the carrot person. You know, just whatever people grab onto, I'm like, nope, because I don't, I don't want to be bogged down. I want to be who I am, which is ever evolving, ever changing, two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes, you know, a human being. So I always cringe just because I'm on the inside and I know when there is a lady who's doing the, I'm relatable. Like I binge eat chocolate. And they're not playing a character. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're so down to earth. And you're like, no, actually, like, they have their food delivered and they measure it out and they work out a lot. And it's really important to them to, like, maintain a certain look so that they can get cast in things and fit into the clothes, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. But, like, for me, the type of comedy I do is, like, I will tell you if I'm doing that. And it's like, I'm not getting my food delivered, but I will tell you that like, yeah, I, I am right now. Like, I'll get into that later, but, but maybe I'm just too honest for my own good. Maybe I'm, I'm making it seem like people are stupid and they're probably like, no, Jen, I know this person's obviously on television. Like they don't binge eat sheet cakes all the time, but I liked the bit because sometimes I do that. And then I'll go to the gym for three days. Like Jen, we all do it. You're not they're not being dishonest. So I don't know what it is that just, I get annoyed. Like, so my point is if Gabrielle Sidibe did that bit and she was like, I'm so depressed, you know, I'm going to eat a sheet cake. I'd be like, well, yeah, you, you are. I mean, it it would probably be depressing. Like I never ever thought it was that funny when Chris Farley would use his fat as a punchline. I thought it was sad. And I thought it was like, um, I just never liked it. I thought there was a dark sadness that I got from it. Maybe I vibe that. I also like could never really watch Philip Seymour Hoffman movies because I'd get super depressed. Like I, I feel like I vibe drug addicts and I get like overwhelmed. That's a whole other story. So anyway, um, I, what's my point? So when someone's eating a sheet cake and I know that the opposition to her bit had nothing to do with if she authentically eats sheet cakes or not. But it just—I'm too inside baseball to enjoy comedy on any level. So when I see that, I'm not even thinking first thought about. Wait, is she telling us to stay home and not stand up against Nazis? Is this white privilege comedy? Ba blah, blah blah. I'm like, oh, she doesn't really eat sheet cakes, and there's no fucking way that's really not like a vegan one or a gluten-free. Like no fucking way. She works way too fucking hard to have come from who she was before she was on camera to the the on-camera person. This is all, like, stuff that's readily available to you, but I also know it from the inside. And it's like, there's no way. And I know she's trying to be the, like, I'm in my sweatshirt with my glasses. And I'm sure she is like that. But, like, she doesn't live like that, obviously, like... I don't know what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? It, it's... Like, I don't know. I don't know what my point is. I'm not saying she's phony. That's not what I mean. But I'm saying that. She's not sitting around eating sheet cakes. And I know that wasn't the point. I know people are like, no, Jen, we know she's not. But so if you're really not, then I'm like, well, then why do a bit about it? Like, that's how crazy I get. And maybe you're like, oh, no wonder you're stopping yourself in life. I just hate inauthentic stuff. And so if it even reeks of like, if it reminds me of someone else that's inauthentic, that doesn't really drink, I'm like, I'm losing my shit here. You know? I don't know why. Obviously, the sheet cake thing is funny. I'm someone who watches her weight and is really concerned with not going back to what happened and with, you know, being able to just like seamlessly travel and not, you know, I like to be a little underweight when I travel so that when the weight comes on, it's still okay instead of like just at the border and then I travel and I gain more weight and I'm bloated and I can't put my pants on at the show. Like, it's a big deal, you know. You know, if you're like, you have a pair of pants and they fit exactly. Imagine getting on a plane like four times in a week and eating salty food or just like not having enough sleep or whatever, being dehydrated. Like you're going to bloat and now you're going on stage in front of people and you've got like a poofy stomach. Like it's just, so I'd like to be, oh, the pants that fit just right. Maybe they're a little big. And then by the time that the, that week's tour is over, they fit exactly instead of the opposite. You know how sometimes like, and this is someone who has gained, how much did I gain? I gained over 50 pounds. And in a certain sense, sometimes seven pounds overweight can feel worse than 50. I will say that once I was 50 over, I'm like, well, this is my weight. But when you gain seven on a smaller frame and your clothes don't fit and you're like, well, I'm not going to buy all new clothes for seven pound week. And I just have to lose the seven pounds. It's like, maddening until they're off. And that's where I am right now. Um, it feels like you are much bigger than you are. And it's, it's, it's really annoying. So, and men and women, I'm not, it's not just a woman thing, but anyway, so I was all up in my own arms about the sheet cake thing. Like I'm so sick of this women binge eating, drinking comedy, (laughs) by the way, again, I've totally like I don't know, if I had a birthday party and someone brought me a cake and I brought it home, of course I would just stick my fork right in it and eat it out of the fridge and probably eat so much more than if I just cut a piece and put it on my plate. Like everyone does that. It's totally relatable. I'm sure Tina Fey still does, of course. I just, I don't know what my problem is. I'm just telling you that these. this is what it's like to be inside my head. Now, I didn't even watch the whole thing (laughs) because I don't find anything funny. You guys have to understand. I like David Letterman. I like Norm Macdonald. I liked, uh, the show baskets. Um, I like Maria Bamford. Uh, I liked Dave Chappelle a lot. I'm not too hot on his newest stuff. Um, Chris Rock, I don't know his new stuff. Um, there's probably a million women I'm forgetting, but And then, like, I don't like Saturday Night Live. Like, I did like the Melissa McCarthy podium thing, but I saw it once. The one where she, like, started driving it into the press, that was funny. Didn't need any... Like, I get it. I saw 30 seconds. Funny. Goodbye. Like, I saw all of them, but I was like, yeah, I get it. I've seen it. I enjoyed when she physically rode the podium through the streets in New York. I was like, that's fucking amazing. And then you add on top of it, like, this is a woman playing Donald Trump's press secretary, or whatever he was. And like that demeans them in a way that a woman's playing them. And like, this is really going on in real time. Like all that makes it just twice as brilliant to me. Okay, great. But I'm not like, I've never seen half the TV shows that everyone watches that my friends made and star in or people in my peer group. Anyone that's famous that started after me, you can bet I don't watch your stuff. Like I can't, I get jealous. I get in my head. Um, I just prefer blinders on and I have like the cheesiest taste in comedy like I just I don't know. I don't know how to explain it Like i'm watching the new I mean not that this is cheesy, but i'm watching like the trailer for marlin <laughs> The sitcom and i'm like I fucking love this. I think it's so funny And then somebody would be like Have you seen blah 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 and i'm like no I, mean, I like transparent. I like, I like things that like, don't make me laugh out loud. And then if they do, it's, it's just certain stand ups that I've always loved. And then like, you're not really going to get me into new stuff. But people are, I was like, what comedies do you like? And I'm like, nothing. I'm so, I'm not a comedy connoisseur anymore. It's just enough already. I get it. Comedy, it's everywhere. Glad you guys like it. I need a job. Otherwise I don't care. Anyway, so don't, listen to me. That's why I don't be like, Oh no, you have to watch the whole thing. Blah blah blah, blah." No, I don't. I got it. I got her point. I know she's not saying stay home, but I felt like this. Okay, Tina, I know you're not on Twitter every second, but that's the new marketplace. That's the new town square. And we love to hang people who should know better, who get it even a little bit wrong. It just happens. You're going to get crucified. So that's what makes me go, Oh, I'm watching an out of touch person. And it sucks because we're all going to get out of touch. The more successful we get, there's just not enough time in the day to like do the old stuff you used to do. Like it's all, it's going to happen. And then there's out of touch because like I'm just older and I don't know certain websites or whatever, you know, whatever. But I am so paranoid as you can see the way I talk. I'm like, oh, I am so paranoid about being called like not woke or whatever or racist or sexist or whatever, not intersectional. That If someone's inure into this funny bit that's about like eat a sheet cake and let the Nazis just look stupid, I'd be like, oh, it kind of sounds like that white woman thing of like, let's just be silent. Like, no, no, but that's not what the sketch is saying. No, no, I know. But people will willfully misinterpret it or it'll just be that tone deaf adjacent. Like it's not worth it. How about I do the thing where I'm marching and eating the sheet cake? You know, like, And I just like kind of couldn't believe that she didn't worry about that or maybe she did and she doesn't give a shit I don't know, but I was just either way like it's just too much goes through my head for me to enjoy anything I'm, just like I didn't like that and everyone's freaking out. I'm like, is this what people want? Like i'm not shitting on tina Fey. I'm just like I don't get it I mean, I get it. I don't need to explain to me. I'm just sort of like, okay Great, you know, and um Yeah. For me, it was a little too accidentally tone deaf adjacent. Well, I don't know if it was, but you know, unfortunately what really sucks, I think we do have to get out on the street, um, when the Nazis are in town and it's really scary, you know, and, and I have the white privilege thing. I don't have the male privilege thing. So anytime I'm out as a woman at night, I get scared, but in a Nazi rally, I might be okay as a woman. Uh, not, not to be a Nazi, but to march against them. But, um, and I know it's time for people to take their privilege and put it out on the streets. Um, You know, we got to fight for uh, what we believe in and uh, we can't just be like, people of color, get out there, march for yourselves. What cheer are you on? Out the window, we'll have cups of water when you run by. Oh, it's a marathon now. You have to run you know, we can't be silent white voices. So that's my point. After all that, I'm talking about talking politics on the podcast. It's just like, it'll come up when it comes up, but I want to make very clear. I am not trying to, you know, I was very worried. I don't want to be a distraction. We don't have time to be distracted. So But yeah, if you need an hour of I Seem Fun podcast, again, the podcast isn't trying to save the world, but I don't want to ignore what's going on. But I'm paranoid because I am taping episodes in advance. And like with the sheet cake thing, like this will come out in a few days. So by the time you hear this, the sheet cake thing won't even be a week old, I don't think. And I think it's fine. But in general, when I tape stuff in advance, I just don't want to repeat stuff that's like everyone's already weighed in on and stuff like that. But I also don't want to be the silent white person who's like, oh my God, my room service was cold. And you're like, bitch, um, the president's a Nazi. And I'm like, I know, but it just recorded it at a certain date. You know, I don't... Okay, you get it. Ah, that, that mind, right? That mind is just going and going and going. And that's why I am grateful. Well, I'm grateful I have this podcast because I think you guys get me. Um, I'm also grateful... that I go to therapy. And I know I mentioned it last time, and I really think this is a good way to look at it. It's too late to get your beach body. You, you didn't do it this year. Okay. We got get two weeks left of summer for the most part. No problem. Eat your sheet cake. Okay. But your mental health is it, going to come up on you, right? Back to school, Halloween's in eight weeks. The minute it's Halloween, it's Christmas. And you know, that's just how we do now. You're already going to be planning. Do I fly home to see my family at the holidays? What do I do? My wife's Catholic. I'm Jewish. I don't want to deal with her family this year. Oh my God. Trump is still president. He's not president. There's going to be stressful traveling. There's a lot of, you know, terrorism in the world. There's so much to worry about that if you're a worrier, put the worry to good use. I say, become a planner, plan. You you, you messed up your beach body. Now plan your holiday mind. Get your holiday mind in shape now so that when stuff comes up on you, you already have these tools that you've been putting into place. I think it's a great idea because therapy is not about, well, I don't have any problems right now. Just talk. Just talk. They will understand your patterns. You will learn tools. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's why I love Talkspace. And that's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, is my sponsor, because I believe in them, the online therapy company that makes it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences. And it's as little as $32 a week. So you can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, and you can even do a live video chat. Just to make sure that you understand this, Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and they go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours, not not all told, each individual, thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen and use code Jen, J-E-N, and you will get $30 off of your first month. Obviously, you're going to show support for this podcast, so you got to do... Talkspace.com slash Jen. Therapy for how we live today. Now, oh God. I made the best cup of tea in the world. I really did. So anyway, yeah, talking about politics, talking about this, we all know Steve Bannon out at the White House, back to Breitbart. So quickly, it's almost like he never left. Right? So, we've got fake news, alternative facts, the news media. It's important to know where your news is coming from. That's why I love texture. And I use texture because I am a magazine freak. And I'm starting to destroy the environment single handedly because I have a stack on my coffee table In Style, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, Elle, Vogue, Vanity Fair. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to condense this all and read it on my iPad. And it's great for traveling because I can't walk around, you know, with a stack of magazines. So Texture features some of the most trustworthy, credible publications in the world, such as Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, and many others. It gives you access not just to your favorite magazines, but the latest in investigative journalism, U.S. politics, domestic, and international news. Now, wouldn't it be great to be able to read all of your favorite magazines at a moment's notice? That's why Texture is awesome. It's an app, and it lets you get all the latest news and culture magazines. So here's how it goes. My, Texture is offering my listeners a 14 day free trial. When you go to texture.com slash fun, T-E-X-T-U-R-E.com slash fun. That's 14 days to try Texture for free. It's entirely digital. So it's an environmentally friendly way to consume the best magazines. There's one for every interest ever. The app is the easiest way to feed all of your curiosities. And it's only $9.99 a month. That's less than the cost of some single magazines. It's certainly less than the cost of three or four magazines a month, sometimes two or three. It makes it easy to find the right ones for you. And it adds interactive features, video, and more. There's so many great magazines out there. You could pick from Sports Illustrated, National Geographic, People, Esquire, Time, Entertainment Weekly, Forbes, Vogue, Cosmo, InStyle, Fast Company, Rolling Stone, Bon Appetit, Condé Nast Traveler, Family Circle, Golf Digest, Glamour, Good Housekeeping, Marie Claire, Interview, Style, Harper's Bazaar, GQ, Martha Stewart Living, Maxim, Men's Fitness, Newsweek, Nylon, Oprah. Okay, you get the point, right? It's searchable, so you can mark what you like. Check out bash, back issues. Oh, this is the best! You just go down like, brrr, yep, I like all those magazines. Check out bonus video content. They even curate articles and magazines just for you, or whoever you're giving Texture to this year as a gift. And it was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. Again, start your free trial now. Download the app texture.com/fun. going to read that today. Oh, here's something kind of fun that we could read. Speaking of, uh, apps, um, reading in bed in 18th century Europe was considered a menace to life and property, but mostly to morals. We'll read that together. So anyway, yeah, I gained the weight. I feel like I didn't talk about like, so I'm done with New York. I'm so sad. But as you can see, I was starting to lose my mind. Um, I was in the hotel with the uns, uns music, um I'm work I was working on a show that's going to be on Amazon. I believe the pilot, I mean I watched the pilot on Amazon. It it's already up. I don't know if they took it back down, but the show is called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and it's about a female stand-up comic who started in the late 50s. It's fiction. It's a one-hour comedy. Um but you know, you could say it's loosely based on the concept of how Joan Rivers was a female comic uh, doing it man style in the uh, Greenwich Village. There's a character played by Luke Kirby, Lenny Bruce. It's such a great show uh, brought to you by Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, Dan Palladino. Um, they did Gilmore Girls. Anyway, I was very lucky to get to consult on it as a stand-up. Uh got to write some of the stand-up that you see in the show, whether it's the main character or just like, you know, some goofy character that comes in for an episode And, uh, a lot of, I mean, we, you know, uh, we wrote a lot of different things. Um, it was really a wonderful experience. I loved the way Amy works. It's just, um, she knows her vision and it's, it's, it reminds me of the, um, the Buddy Holly story starring Gary Busey, like where he was just like, there's a sound in my head and I'll know it when I hear it. And it, it, it's like, it's just, she's known for her dialogue and it was brilliant to watch her work. And, I was at the Steiner Studios in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where I had an office and I just became like, listen, there's like Pilates class and stuff right near where I lived, but the hours were totally weird. Like sometimes New York just has these like weird and convenient hours. Then I had to realize, well, I'm also on a weird and convenient schedule, you know, like I'm not as freelance as I am here. Like I was working like nine to six or seven, you know, nine, including all the, the, um, commuting. So it could be nine to eight sometimes. So it's like, you know, sometimes the last thing you want to do is like, Oh, if I leave work right now, I can get to this Pilates class at eight, then I'm done at nine. Then I get home and I want to go to bed at 11. It's like, you just go, Oh, fuck it. I'll do two workouts a day on the weekend. Then the weekend comes, you're like, I'll do one workout a day. I'll do one workout period. You know, it just keeps happening. And then you get stuck in that New York lifestyle and then everyone wants to see you. What should we do? Let's get dinner. So there was just, and then you get dinner, you get food delivered at work and then there's food in the kitchen. And I was just, I went to that little addict brain that was just like, pleasure, pleasure, seek pleasure, seek pleasure. Okay. You don't do drugs. So what do food, food, go get food, go get food. You know, it's like, then you eat, then you get addicted to it. Then when you eat something sugary, for some reason, you don't feel full and it's just, don't email me. I don't know the reason. And then you get addicted and then there's more and then you can't stop eating and then you feel like shit and then you're tired and then you're so tired you want to go home. And then in New York, you get fooled with all the walking, you know? Like when I'm in LA, I might only walk 4,000 steps a day, but I've gone to like a super hard Pilates class that day and I've eaten a third of what I eat in New York. So it's all, it's, that's better probably. New York, it's like, oh, I'm writing, I'll drink coffee all day. Who needs water to flush out anything? Oh, I walked 10,000 steps today. That doesn't matter. You ate for five people, you know? So I bought this digital scale I was weighing myself the last two weeks there and I was like, this scale is broken. There's no way I've gained 12 pounds. And then my clothes weren't fitting in that old familiar way where they seem too tight in the crotch and you can't tell if your butt got bigger, or your stomach got bigger. And I'm like, cause I'm, at least I'm very lucky. I'm not a flabby person. When I gain weight, I just start expanding like someone's pushing air in me. So I don't look like flabby dabby. I just look wider. It's really weird. Interesting. Um, and I'm like, what? Nothing fits. And, and oh, the scales broke. So I, put, I had a one pound weight. I travel with those to do little arm exercises in my hotel room, which I didn't do at all. And so I put it on there and it didn't even show up on the scale. It didn't say one pound. Now, I don't know if that is a thing. Like, does it normally show up? I've never tried it, but I was like, well, see, it's not even detecting the weight. So I'm sure I'm not 12 pounds heavier. That was my decision. And then, um, I'm one of those people who, when they gain this much weight, clothes off, I'm fine. I'm like, oh, what a beautiful body I have, you know, thank you, God. And when I'm older, I'll be like, oh, what a beautiful body. When I put clothes on, they don't fit right. And I'm like, I look horrible. And it's like such a bummer. It's like, weirdly, I'd rather get on stage and be like, hey, everyone, I'm going to take off all my clothes (laughs) because the way I look in this outfit is horrific. But anyway, so then I get home and I get on my digital scale here, and I'm like, weird, this scale has the same exact miscalculation that that one in New York did. I'm like, oh my god, Jen, face the facts. So I've got three weeks to get my tour body back. Now, even if I don't lose the 12 pounds in number, I will within six weeks but I can at least get some shrinkage going so things can button up again. And that's really easy to do. Like I'm doing Pilates, I'm doing power plate. I'm doing very reduced calorie, but things that fill me up that are very healthy, Um, drinking a lot of water. But if you guys want to lose overnight bloat, this is men and women. This is a tip and trick from your good friend, Jen Kirkman. Let's say you have somewhere, you have to wear a dress for an event or a a suit for an event um, on a Friday night. Here's what you do. Two nights before, for, you have to do this for two nights. You don't eat after six. There's no eating at all. And then, let's um, say you go to bed at 10 or two hours before bed, just eat an insane amount of watermelon, like a giant, like a half a watt, like a seriously a lot. It has a ton of fiber and it's filled with water and it actively flushes things out more than drinking water does then drink a glass of water. You will get up in the middle of the night a bunch of times and pee, but you will have flushed out so much water and then do it again. You just cannot eat anything else after six, except that if you want to go crazy, stop eating at four and you will fit into whatever you need to that Friday. And then it'll all come back, but that's okay. Cause I had to squeeze into something that I had bought that I needed to wear that exact thing and it didn't fit. And I was like, Oh my God. And I read this thing about the watermelon thing and I did it and it totally worked. So I'm the weirdo who went to Whole Foods on the Lower East Side and is just eating watermelon out of a plastic container in her bed. Um, watching the news. So I feel weird giving a diet tip like that's not woke or something. But you know, like I'm not saying everyone has to be thin. I'm saying if you can't fit into something and you need to lose some bloat, Oftentimes we don't really know how to do it and you think, oh, I'm going to go to like a sweat place and that's okay too. But sometimes if you're already dehydrated, which most of us are, your body goes into like, oh, I don't want to lose any water. And so it starts holding and you bloat more. So I would do the watermelon trick over like going and sweating somewhere because you've got to be really sure that you are not even the slightest bit dehydrated. And I would assume that we all are, you know, most of the time, even 10, 20%. Um. great story, Jen. How do you think of them? I don't know. So anyway, yeah, I'm really concerned with getting the tour body back, but I've already lost a couple of water weight pounds. I mean, truly, it's just like, if I don't eat the way I did in New York and do nothing else, this will come off in three months. If I don't eat the way I did in New York and add the Pilates I wasn't doing in New York to it, It will be fine. But it's that weird thing where I'm like, what if, what if it never comes off and I have to buy all new clothes? I spent a lot of money in these other clothes. (laughs) It's the dumbest thing. Like when you have to lose seven pounds, seven, eight, nine, like it's, it's just like, Jen, it's going to come off. And then I go, I don't even think I ate that much. I think I'm just, just gaining weight 10 pounds a month now until I'm 100. Don't, Jen. Y- you were eating crazy things like Fruit Loops. It's, come on now, girl. Fruit Loops, not for breakfast, as an after lunch snack. After lunch, meaning 10 minutes after lunch. Putting some almond milk in a bowl and eating Fruit Loops. And then filling it up again because there's still milk left. And then I want more, but there's no more cereal or milk in it. I'll just have a third bowl. I mean, that's me. Oh, I have such a sugar thing, Um, which I shouldn't because I had uh, those pre-diabetic numbers, which I still have. Um, And that's why i got to be careful. Okay. What was my point? But sometimes my body does that. It does weird things. Like two years ago, I dropped a lot of weight. I wasn't even doing anything. And I got super skinny and people were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm not lying. Nothing. It's actually worrying me. And that's why I went to the doctor and they were like, you've got pre-diabetes level in your blood, but that shouldn't make you lose that much weight. I was like, all right, I guess I'm just dying. And then I'll balloon up. Like you never know. Just the body does what it does. And also hormones. Ladies have hormones. I hate, like guys, you have to understand that like women's hormones, and I don't mean mood. I mean, hormones affect everything. Like our energy level, our everything, like whether we're bloated, whether whatever, mental state, some, you know, obviously there's that too, but women's hormones change drastically after 40. So in a way, when a woman's like, oh my God, I'm 40. And people are like, that's still young. It's like, sure. But it, it is the age when hormones start changing, which does change your life a little bit. Like I'm now getting hot all the time and like putting ice packs on me. Like I get night sweats. Like I'm, my period's changing. Like I'm in early menopause. I'm in, it's not just like you wake up and get menopause one day. Like it's slowly over time you notice this. And so I was talking to this guy the other day He was 59. He's like, you're not old. I'm like, your body, ha- do you have prostate issues? He's like, no. My- Has anything physically changed? Like my knee? I'm like, yeah, I could have that too, but I have a hormone thing. So maybe when I'm your age, I'll have a knee and a hormone thing. Like women go through a 10 year period with their hormones that makes them feel so different than they felt when they were younger. So please dudes do not tell a 43 year old woman that she's not old. Cause even though it's not old, I feel drastically different than I did at 35. So please And actually, in some ways I feel better because 35 was when I was eating blocks of cheese. So anyway, just how about dudes just shut up? Oh my God, misandry. Oh, let's talk about the ghost story guy on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Oh, so I was telling that story about the B12. Remember I said time goes by so fast because I was looking at my spices. This is what I meant to say. So the woman in the place I get my B12 shots, she left and had a baby sometime I don't remember when it was. And she wasn't at the place for like three or four weeks. And I've been away. So the other day I walk in and the reception person was like, I think the nurse lady is at lunch. And I was like, okay. She's like, I'm not at lunch for Jen Kirkman. She's like, get in here. you know. And she's giving me the shot. And um, she's like, oh, so I'm going away this week. And I'm like, are you taking the baby? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, are you still breastfeeding? She's like, no, the baby's like, Ten months. I'm like ten months. I go wait. What? I feel like it was just a God. I thought you just had her two months ago. Oh my God, time. And she goes, I know. I mean, I have kids. So when you have kids, time really flies. I'm like, why would you say that? I just said that time flew for me too. So what is like is not flying faster because you have kids. Like I just said the same thing. You don't have to be like because I have kids. Like stop it with the because I have kids. Time flies for everybody. We cannot get over. Oh my God, it's September already. We can't get over it. Time is flying. As you get older, your perception changes. It's not the kids. It's a whole other thing. I know I'm getting that. Okay. Great story. One of your best. Oh my God. There's so much to talk about. I think you guys are going to like my merchandise on the road. I have a bumper sticker. It's like it's not imitating those little families that are like four kids. It's it's just a bumper sticker that you put on the bumper, not the window. I mean you could put it anywhere in your notebook. And it's a little stick figure that just looks beleaguered and it just says, I'm a soul trapped in a body, which is from my stand-up. And then I have pins that are gonna say child free by choice. One's sort of like a sex pistols looking pin and one's like a groovy seventies looking writing. And then I have a tour poster, an original one that's being designed. Well, it's not a tour poster, it's a poster. Um By this guy Barry who's great and it's based On my act from Netflix and it's a woman And she's sitting cross-legged meditating And she's giving the middle fingers And it says I meditated today motherfucker But there's an asterisk So that you don't have to have the word fuck hanging Wherever you hang it and actually I was Gonna go with motherfucker and I looked At it and it wasn't Funny like it did and then When I, I said do a version with the asterisk And I was like oh that's funny it like looks Funny so Those are the things I'll be, uh, selling on the road after my shows. So, um, yeah, maybe you'll like them. I always like doing merchandise. People always do t-shirts. I just think that's such a pain in the ass and people get mad if something doesn't fit and you can't try it on there and then you feel ripped off. It's just like, I hate the t-shirt game. I really do. So I just feel like, you know what you're getting with a bumper sticker, a pin and a poster, you know, I'm not saying you have to get all three. You should, um, And then the people who are doing my OMG VIP event, they get their own separate merch. So if you think about it this way, each show, you can pay $50 extra, separate than your ticket, to upgrade. It's not VIP seating. It's just a VIP meet and greet. They say VIP because that's the name of the company. And so you'll get like, you know, half hour before the show, there's like a little meet and greet. You meet me. Hello. Hi. Hi, fans. And we do like a professional photo that they take. You get a laminate. We can do a selfie as well, obviously. And then you get free merch. So it's like the ticket price of the meet and greet also gets you stuff that other people can't get. So it's like a tote bag that has, and it's like the good sturdy kind. And it says, it's the same thing, a little stick figure that says, I'm just a soul trapped in a body tote bag. Then you get a tour poster. That's not the meditated one. This one, no one else can get. It's a picture of me um, with the over 40 necklace. This is all new material girl 2017 with all the cities on it. So you get one of those and I can sign it if you want then you get your signed picture with me. And then I forget, I think that's it. Um, so you're getting that for 50 bucks, but those tote bags and the posters will not be available to anyone else. So those are my gift to you. You spend that money. I spend a little to give you those free gifts. Everybody happy, right? um, and the cost of the meet and greet goes towards these people doing my merch for me on the road and being my security and being, being my everything. So, so far people have been really positive about it. I thought people would be like, fuck you charging. But I mean, it makes sense and it's going to be super profesh and you're going to be the best treatment, the best people, believe me. Oh my God. The president show is so fucking funny. I can't get over it. There's a lot of female writers. What's it like to be a woman in comedy um, on the show, which is amazing. Anthony Atominic who plays Trump, dear old friend of mine from Emerson College. Actually, I'm friendlier with his mom, Marlena, who she's on Twitter, but she's private and it's not her real name, but she was my dance teacher in college. She was the one that studied with Fosse. I took Fosse dance from her in college. She was a dear <clears throat> friend and Taught me about meditation and yoga And like essential oils She was the best She was a total mentor to me And I'd go to her house for dinner And Anthony would come home like Hi I'm like oh hey (laughs) We're not friends I'm friends with your mom Um, And she's the best Anyway so Yeah and then Anthony started doing He and James Adomian Started doing Trump versus Bernie And they did it like way before Way before Bernie got the popularity he did And way before Trump became the nominee (laughs) they would debate each other and they started doing it at UCBLA, and they would just do it around. And then it got popular enough that they went on tour. And then obviously those two characters in real life became, uh, famous larger than life people, the actual Trump, the actual Bernie, and they got to do it on Howard Stern, which was awesome. And then Anthony got his own show called the president show, which is awesome. And, um, His impression of Trump is so spot on, just the way he does that voice that he goes into when he gets... Oh my God, it's so good. If you have time, watch the... Well, you know what? Maybe I'll just play some of this clip really quickly, just in case you haven't heard of it. Because there's this... The first episode, he's playing Trump, and Trump has to go... um, do a tour of New York to like show his viewers like this is Trump's New York and he's being kind of a brat and he doesn't want to do it and he's sitting on a um, stoop eating fast food and they're like come on you have to like film this and he's like no and then he hears the sound of a truck and he goes crazy and so hang on I just want to it's really funny I hope you'll enjoy it sorry So he's running towards a truck, like honking with his arm. The truck goes Hong Kong. Did you see that? Did you see it? Unbelievable. It's so crazy. And you see how it moved? Big trucks, big wheels. And the big wheels go around. And then when you pull on the horn, the horn goes crazy. And the truck's so unbelievable because it's a, a tremendous truck. I wish we had a bigger truck. Wouldn't it be great if a big truck came? Like a big truck. Big 18-wheeler truck. And they're all down. And then a guy showed up. And he was a macho guy. <laughs> and then I get to drive the truck, and I get to go all the way down, and I drive it right into the river, and then I drown in the river, and I feel the water seeping over me, and then the air leaves my lungs, and in the moment where my body starts to react and wants air, I let go, and when I let go, the water fills my lungs, and I'm finally at peace it's so ridiculous. The show is great. Um, Anyway. All right. Let's read the article about reading in bed and then we'll get the fuck out of here. How's that sound? How that sounds to you. And then we have so many listener emails. Maybe I'll just do a listener email episode. Oh, so this weekend, um, when you're hearing this in three days, I'm leaving for my silent retreat. Been watching videos of the place. I'm still trying to gather. It's a hundred percent silent. That's what it says. But then there's like a picture of like a group of women, like taking their picture. And I'm like, that doesn't look like that was a silent photo. I don't know. I just don't want anyone talking to me in the kitchen. That's all I don't want. Cause everyone like keeps their food in the same kitchen and <sighs> yeah. So my birthday is August 28th, but I will not be, I don't think, look, there's, I don't know if there's Wi-Fi, but obviously like my phone will get the internet. I don't, think it's like, they don't tell you not to be on electronics. I bet there's not wifi. I don't know who cares. But the point is, you know, I think I'm not, I think to get the benefit of a silent retreat, it might be cool to <clears throat> not be online. But I think if I do go online, maybe I'll look at the silent retreat this way. I will not put out any words, even if it's typing, you know, like, I don't know. We'll see how I feel. Um, but I might have to check my email for work stuff because I'm in the middle of a project with some people and we're pitching a show. Oh my God. Oh, i have a show idea. That's great. I love it so much. And I'm pitching it to, um, actually network TV, not cable. Cause I have a network. I don't know. I'm not like edgy. Like cable is, does that make sense? Like I am in my standup and if I had a talk show, it would have to be cable, but like my sitcom ideas, I'm like, no, I want to say no one's naked. No one's trans. Like we don't need to be streaming. It's not like breaking any molds or changing any lives. It's just like, Hey, that's funny. You know? Okay. So <clears throat> the dangers of reading in bed. I didn't know this was a thing. Um, in 18th century Europe. Okay. Lord Walsingham's servants found him in bed one morning in 1831, burnt to a crisp, According to a notice in The Spectator, his remains were almost wholly destroyed, the hands and feet literally burnt to ashes, and the head and skeleton of the body alone remained, presenting anything like an appearance of humanity. His wife also suffered a tragic end. Jumping out of the window to escape the fire, she tumbled to her death. The family monitor assigned Lord Walsingham a trendy death. He must have fallen asleep reading in bed, its editors concluded, a notorious practice that was practically synonymous with death by fire because it required candles. Oh my God, that's right. The incident became a cautionary tale. Readers were urged not to tempt God by sporting with the most awful danger and calamity, the flagrant vice of bringing a book to bed. Instead, they were instructed to close the day in prayer to be preserved from bodily danger and evil. The editorial takes reading in bed for a moral failing, a common view of the period. Isn't that funny? It's like, you know, we don't want to deal with people dying in bed. Just tell them it's immoral. Instead of just like, hey, dipshits, you're going to fucking fall asleep and die in a fire. I know you think you're the only one that's not going to, but you will. So I had to make it like, it's evil. Oh, okay. Now I won't do it. Once you said it was evil, a concept that may or may not exist, I'm down. But the other thing where it's probably obvious I'll die in a fire, I'm like, oh, I need more proof. Um, The link between morality and mortality was reasonable in part. Neglected candles could set bed curtains ablaze and in turn risk the loss of life or property. And so to lie wantonly in bed with a book was considered depraved. Even the famous and the dead could be censured for engaging in the practice. In 1778, a posthumous biography chastised the late Samuel Johnson for his bad bedside reading habits, characterizing the British writer as an insolent child. A biography of Jonathan Swift alleged that the satirist and cleric nearly burned down the castle of Dublin and tried to conceal the incident with a bribe. In practice, reading in bed was probably less dangerous than public reproach suggested. Of the, of the 29,069 fires recorded in London from 1833 to 1866, only 34 were attributed to reading in bed. Cats were responsible for an equal number of fire incidents. Oh. Why then did people feel threatened by the behavior? Reading in bed was controversial partly because it was unprecedented. In the past, reading had been a communal and oral practice silent reading was so rare that in the confessions augustine remarks with astonishment when he sees saint ambrose glean meaning from a text simply by moving his eyes across the page even while his voice was silent and his tongue was still wow did we evolve slowly Until the 17th and 18th centuries, bringing a book to bed was a rare privilege, reserved for those who knew how to read, had access to books, and had the means to be alone. The invention of the printing press transformed silent reading into a common practice, and a practice bound up with emerging conceptions of privacy. Solitary reading was so common by the 17th century, books were often stored in the bedroom instead of the parlor or the study. Meanwhile, the bedroom was changing too. Sleeping became less sociable and more solitary. In the 16th and 17th centuries, even royals lacked the nighttime privacy contemporary sleepers take for granted. In the House of Tudor, a servant might sleep on a cot by the bed or slip under the covers with her queenly boss for warmth. (laughs) I'd rather just not have a servant. No, that's not true. Everyone needs a servant, not someone of a different race, unpaid. Pay, like if you have a rich white friend who's never worked, you know, like you're friends with like one of Trump's cousins, you can be like, do you want to be my servant? And they'll be like, okay. And it's like, I don't have to pay you because you're already rich, and this will teach you um, work ethic. But just don't cl- crawl into bed for warmth. By day, the bed was the center of courtly life. The monarchs designated a separate bedchamber for conducting royal business. Oh my God. So when we work in bed with our laptops, we're like royal. In the morning, they would commute from their sleeping rooms to another part of the castle where they would climb into fancier, more lavish beds to receive visitors. <laughs> oh my God, these fucking lazy fucks. I love it. In early modern Europe, royals set the tone for bed behavior across broader society. Modest peasant households commonly lived out of one room. By necessity, the family would share a single bed or place several simple beds side by side. In larger bourgeoisie homes with multiple rooms, the bedroom also served as the central family gathering place. The four-poster canopy bed was invented during this period, and with it, the modern notion of privacy. In a busy one-room household, drawing the bed curtains closed was a rare opportunity to be alone, and being alone created dangerous opportunities for transgression. In his history of masturbation... Oh, where, is this, where did this go suddenly? Solitary sex. The historian Thomas LeCoeur draws a direct link between 18th century distress over solitary, silent novel reading and masturbation's new status as a public menace. Quote, novels like masturbation created for women's alternative companions of their pillow. I love w- any chance women get. They're like, what? Masturbating? Reading? Great. Anything... So I don't have to deal with a man one more second in my day Men get all upset I'm writing a book about it These solitary vices, as Lacour calls them Were condemned for fear that individual autonomy Would lead to a breakdown in the collective moral order As sleep transformed from a more public to a more private social practice, the bed became a flashpoint for that anxiety. Ultimately, the real danger posed by reading in bed wasn't the risk of damage to life or property, but rather the perceived loss of traditional moorings. Changes to reading and sleeping emphasize self-sufficiency, a foundation of enlightenment thinking. The new attitude untethered the 18th century individual from society. A social environment with oral reading and communal sleeping embeds an individual in a community. Falling asleep, a young woman senses her father snoring or feels her younger sister curled up at her feet. When she hears stories read from the Bible, some figure of authority is present to interpret the meaning of the text. People feared that solitary reading and sleeping fostered a private fantasy life that would threaten the collective, especially among women, as I was about women. Now, by the way, community is so much better than solitary fantasy. I mean, there weren't wrong. I mean, look at us all with our devices now in solitary fantasy worlds. I think that there's something to this, but of course that also comes back to women. Don't let the women do anything on their own. The solitary sleeper falls asleep at night and zor- absorbed in fantasies of another world, a place she only knows from books. During the day, the lure of imaginative fiction might draw a woman under the covers to read, compromising her social obligations. Like having all the babies. The celebrated soprano, Caterina Gabrielli, was presumably reading one such novel when she neglected to attend a dinner party among Sicilian elites at home of the Viceroy of Palermo, who had been intent on wooing her. A messenger sent to call on the absent singer found in her bedroom, apparently so lost in her book, she'd forgotten all about the engagement. She apologized for her bad manners, but didn't budge from bed. Moral panics accompany periods of social transformation. The internet, which has upended the way people read and communicate with others, is the contemporary world's version of the novel. Yeah, we know that. Um, yep. Yeah, okay. I think that's fascinating. I didn't know any of that. And perhaps you didn't either. Oh, we're all getting smarter together. Until next week, have fun.